Welcome to Homeschool Mama Self-Care. I'm Teresa Wiedrich from Capturing the Charmed Life. I'm here to help you turn your homeschool challenges into your homeschool charms. If you are a homeschool mama challenged by doubt, not sure that you can do this homeschool thing, if you're a homeschool mama challenged by overwhelm, there are just too many things to do, or you are a homeschool mama that isn't clear on what nurturing the nurturer looks like in real time, then this is the podcast for you. Today I get to introduce you to Caitlin and Chelsea. Caitlin and Chelsea are both registered psychologists in Alberta. They both run private practices, provide virtual support for Alberta-based clients, and together have created Mama Psychologists to provide psychoeducation support to parents everywhere. I got to know them on Instagram at Mama Psychologists. They currently have a three ebook bundle that is focused on postpartum coping, parenting toddlers with the big emotions, and behavioral struggles like screen time, meal time, and bedtime. Caitlin is a mom of two. She has a little boy who is three and a one-year-old girl, which keeps her super busy and on the go. Chelsea's a mom of one. Her son was very eager to join her in the world and arrived at 27 weeks gestation. He is now one years old. They offer support on parent concerns, children's mental health, perinatal mental health like postpartum anxiety and or depression, parental burnout, and transition to motherhood. Also birth trauma and parent attachment therapy. Welcome, Caitlin and Chelsea. Welcome to the Homeschool Mama Self-Care Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for having us. It was a real pleasure to learn that you are on Instagram and you're looking essentially to encourage and um, give a bunch of tips and ideas to moms that are in essentially your phase of parenting at this point. So each of you have one or two kids about under the age of three. Is that right? Yes, I have two kids, um, three and a half, well, he's almost four year old boy and a girl that's about 16 months. So they keep me very busy. Oh, yeah. Busy age, fun age. Very fun. (laughs) And Chelsea, you have a son who is over one now, probably. Yes, he's 15 months, I think. (laughs) He's one 15 months. So yes, he's I think that's the most fun age, except for teenagers. But I think that's a super fun age and yet very, very busy, or at least the kids that I had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I haven't actually introduced anybody on our podcast that hasn't also been a homeschool mom. Oh, Isn't that really? interesting? <laughs> yeah. Except that I'm seeing you ladies on Instagram and I'm like, okay, I have to remember what it was like to be a mom of a little one. Mostly it's fatigue and sleeplessness and, you know, running around trying to prevent them from pulling everything out of the bookshelves and et cetera. But I think, um, remind me what it's like. You guys are right in the thick of it and you're encouraging moms in a similar space. Uh, Oh, what is it like? Oh my gosh. (laughs) How do I sum up my mornings? (laughs) It's like very, I try to have structure, but it, it is very hard to have structure when when they're so young and then Chelsea and I also we do private practice and then mom psychologist so so we work basically full-time um part days from the office and then a lot of it we just run from home so we um 
often when we're not playing with our kids or cleaning up uh, a peanut butter mess, we are kind of uh, navigating our Instagram page or booking clients or on I just got off a phone call with a mom. So it is a lot of um, work in in the moments that we that we have. You're learning to juggle how to work and have little kids at the same time. That's a whole different separate yeah. discussion. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know if I told you that I actually worked in perinatal nursing before. And so I remember a lot of those concerns around um, postpartum and new motherhood as a nurse, but I've also been a mom. Well, I've had five babies, four babies that survived. And that whole realm is so exciting, but so exhausting, so demanding. What are the general tips that you would give to a mom about how to transition into motherhood to go from that place of, I'd like to say independence to not so independent. <laughs> yeah, it can. I'll, I'll start, Kaylin. You can add in if you want. Um, we always really try to recommend like if it's possible doing like a postpartum coping plan because like we plan well not always but we plan to get pregnant or we plan we're gonna have children or we gonna we plan all these aspects of our life but we don't plan very well for the postpartum period is what we find a lot and you know it's so overwhelming and if you haven't done it before you don't know what it's like or if you're adding on your second or third or fourth child you don't know what it's like to manage a bunch of children at once so we highly recommend like having some things and ideas of, okay, what can I do when I'm stressed? What are my warning signs? What can I do to kind of, kind of know when I'm maybe not doing so well, or is, do I have a support system that can know when I'm not doing so well? Um, and those kind of things. Yeah. I can remember actually teaching my, um, my patients in a postpartum unit with all my little recipe cards of all the things that they needed to do with their babies. I was pregnant, never had a baby ever. And then I went into that scenario and realized what was I talking about? Don't co-sleep. I talked about no co-sleeping. I talked about all these specific rules you had to do as a parent. And then all of a sudden I'm exhausted and I'm like, okay, so I'm sleeping with the baby and I'm doing all sorts of things that I said, don't do this. Don't do that. Being a new mom is such it's such a shift. Just going to the bathroom by yourself is a challenge. <laughs> Trying to go to the grocery store is a big event now. Everything is a huge transition. And yeah, going from zero to one, that's a huge story. And one thing that we talk a lot about are kind of like the myths and like expectations of motherhood, right? I think we just had, I think, what was that a couple of weeks ago, Chelsea, you did a post on the myths of motherhood. And mm-hmm. so a couple are like, okay, being a mom is like natural breastfeeding is easy right like you'll just ease into it you will like instinctively know what to do right and I can remember as like I think two or three days postpartum breastfeeding was like going not well I didn't feel like anything was natural I was like anxious that like something was going to happen I was like checking on him multiple times I'm like and then I'm like sleep deprived so there are a lot of expectations that either they come from society um they come from like maybe our own parents or grandparents or or things like that or just things that like we we've heard and kind of accumulated in our mind over the years right it's like oh the first like two weeks will be tough and then it'll just it'll get a lot easier 
So there are a lot of like myths of motherhood and that really is just like scratching the surface. I remember, oh, that the baby is always cold. Being around my mom and my grandma, they're always like trying to like throw blankets and like (laughs) coats on my child. I'm like, so that's like yeah one that we've heard actually from lots of moms it's like my mom keeps trying to like wrap my child in blankets and I'm like (laughs) that right there is a challenge actually learning to parent your child and also trying to establish boundaries with your parents or your mom or mother-in-law and say so this is my baby (laughs) yeah absolutely yeah we just had a, a dm about that and she's like, how do I set boundaries with my mom, but be like kind about it or not mean about it? I'm like, well, you just say like, this is what I need. I need you just to not comment on the way that I dress my child. And then, and then that's it. What they do with that is, is up to them. But you've said like your part, like you don't have to convince them or say like, it's like the research has said that whatever, whatever, right? just say your boundary and that's it and then it's really up to them whether they kind of respect that or whether they don't and if they don't then it's time to set other boundaries then right so that yeah that's a huge one that we always (laughs) get lots and lots of questions about all the time I think that there's a real um, surprise sometimes as moms, like you were saying, the transition into motherhood that you, of course, you want, oftentimes, I should say, not even always, but oftentimes you go into motherhood intentionally and you want it. And I was definitely that one. However, you discover, geez, I'm exhausted or I want quiet time or I want to be alone or um, can my stuff please stay in the same place? <laughs> or can, why is cleaning such a challenge? There's so many possibilities when you go from zero to one. And I think sometimes that idea that you're, you're supposed to stay happy, you're supposed to be grateful and thankful, and you can never have down days. But postpartum depression is a reality. It's a reality for a lot of moms, but it's really hard for the actual mom that's having it to identify that she is actually postpartum depressed or that she's on a downward, you know, downward curve towards feeling really unhappy. How would you address that with um, or how do you engage moms that have had babies? What do they identify so that they don't just have to have a partner say something's up, you need to go talk to someone, but how would they identify it in themselves that they're starting to get challenged and they maybe should go do something? Yeah, one thing that we talk about for sure is, first of all, knowing like the period. So lots of people are like, I'm 10 months postpartum. Like, why am I feeling anxious or why am I feeling depressed? I've done the postpartum period. And we're like, no, 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 you're not done yet. And that's actually like a really common time for it to come out. So I think first like validating them and like allowing, allowing that education to be out there. Like it's not just six weeks and then you're done. Um, the other part of it is we do try to kind of share Um, We have a slide on it, I guess I should say, and we've kind of broken it down. So it depends if you fall on the anxious side or the depression side. But the main thing that we tell moms to look for is, you know, is it getting worse? 
is it or is it getting better? Because often if you're in like that baby blues period in the beginning, that like normal hormonal shift and adapting to having baby, you're going to start to see some of your symptoms improve. Like some of them are just like naturally going to go away and get a little bit easier to manage where often with postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety, you're going to see it either get worse or be really prolonged and really intrusive. So what do you suggest to moms? What should they go do? Well, at that time, we would say, hopefully talk to your like OBG if you're still dealing with them. If you have a birth team, whatever that looks like, if it's a midwife or a doula, um, your family doctor, um, just starting that conversation. And we uh, also recommend therapy as obviously we're therapists, (laughs) but finding somebody who has the experience or the abilities to help moms or kind of know what that experience looks like or have some training as well as somebody you feel comfortable with, right? Like who can you talk to this like really vulnerable, gritty stuff that you don't necessarily want to share with people in your life? Yeah, building authentic connections with other moms, which can be tricky if you don't actually have a mom community around you. If you're maybe one of the first people that are having babies that, you know, there is that scenario, I guess, too. But um, yeah, I mean, I had that experience between my third and my fourth. And my husband had said, I think you should go, you know, get a he's a he's a medical physician. And so maybe you should go get a prescription for something or talk to somebody. And I didn't see it in myself. I felt tired. But that's what one does when they have babies, I guess. Right. Um, But it helped. It did help. I I think there's probably more than one way to deal with it, right? Not just um, medication, but at the same time, I'm all about do whatever you need to do. Acknowledge that you are a human being that has human needs and you might be mom, which means to most people that you should be everything to these little people. But the reality is you're a human being that has needs as well as your little people. You're a human being first and then then a mom, right? Right our own oxygen mask before we help everybody else and that's something that we often tell the moms that we see in therapy because you go day in and day out and being a mom is great your 24 hour job right you go to your nine to five job and you legally have to (laughs) break the lunch break coffee break whatever but you're a mom you are on call 24, 48, 72 hours at a time, right? You don't, you don't get that time necessarily. And especially for, for single moms or moms whose partner works away or shift work or whatever, that can be very, very draining. So we're also aware that not everybody kind of has that mom like friend group. So that's one of the reasons that Chelsea and I started the, the Instagram page. But then we also have a free Facebook group that moms can join and connect because we found we were getting like tons of messages saying like, Oh, can you connect me with this mom that has like a child with special needs or a mom who's kind of gone through this. And it's like, we have just like connect people over Instagram. So we started a Facebook group for moms to connect and we found that yeah, it's been really good just for people to chat, even in like COVID, right? Like we literally, cannot like go meet with other people right now so all of our interactions are over zoom or over social media yeah that that's a real tricky thing for everybody even a lot of people identify homeschool families and they say but you're used to being at home which is actually not really true because we're used to going and moving around but as homeschool moms we 
very much know what you just said, that we are like our heartstrings are tied to our kids, whether we're homeschooled or not. But when we go to that um, space of trying to um, engage their education and then take on that role, then it's like we're taking on all the roles for our kids. And this year has been hard for everyone. But I have to ask you, have you seen a lot of COVID babies? Have you seen a big surge of of people with new babies? I don't think anything out of the ordinary. It could be also like just our stage of life. A lot of people we know are having babies and it's a common thread in in many people's lives around us right now. Um, I definitely have heard talks from some of the OBGYNs here that they're kind of been preparing or kind of December was that the start of the COVID babies and they're kind of expecting an influx a little bit. Yeah, that was my husband last weekend. He was doing a ton of epidurals. So we're like, okay, well, research apparently says that that's not the case. But we're like, is it a full moon? (laughs) What's going on? But, you know, COVID has made parenting just a whole different level of parenting. It's just such a challenge. And especially if, you know, you're a new family or you're a new mom and you're doing this thing for the first time, that is a lot of pressure to try and figure out how do you do this? How do you, how do you be the community for your family? Like having grandparents on zoom or activities like that, it's not the same as having them in real time. And when they're little, like you guys have as little kids right now, um, I say to lock the bathroom door, but you can't do that when they're your kid's age. Well, you could probably for 30 seconds. But <laughs> love doing is, And I actually feel a, a decrease in anxiety level is, when they're buckled in their car seats, I'm just like, <laughs> they're restrained. So then I'm just like, okay, we're all contained. I take a breath. I take like even a few moments. I just like am a little bit lower and I right. go in and, and grab something because like, okay, they're safe. They're yeah. happy there. They're talking back and forth. So even it's just like finding those little moments and it's actually yeah more common than you would think that moms are like okay the kids are in the car seat I feel like a decrease in anxiety so taking a moment like just with that as well is there a way for you to get away or it's not even possible right remind me two in one no not so much it is like I think we're we're lucky in that we have support partners that I'm like pretty I get in a little grouchy my husband's like do you need to go get a, a coffee or something I'm like yeah I do <laughs> bye and he kind of has it under control but yeah we're also mindful that not all parents have that opportunity so right. Yeah, it definitely has highlighted like this last year has really highlighted all the needs that we have, all the fears, all the everything, everything is risen. Do you have, have you created like um, a COVID help tip list? Or have you come up with things that you're constantly talking about with other people in how to, I guess, engage family life in a healthy way during the pandemic. I know this is your first pandemic, (laughs) but I bet you've been thinking about it. I bet people have been asking you about it. (laughs) Yeah, and I think always having like a bridge to the next point of connection is really important for us, for like grandparents, our parents, and for our kids. Because with the pandemic, everything's so like up in the air. We just don't, we don't know, right? When we're actually physically going to see this person. So if we're talking on FaceTime or Zoom, it's like, okay, I will talk to you Thursday night. 
So we know that that next point of connection is Thursday night. So they can feel, okay, I know I'm going to talk to them. I know I'm going to see them. It's not in person, but it's, it's better than nothing that I'm going to see them in two or four or three days, whatever it may be. But just holding that next point of connection can be really important for maintaining that relationship right? and feeling that closeness, even though we're like physically separated. You know, the biggest question people always ask about homeschool families is what about socialization? Um, except this year, nobody's asking that anymore because everyone is worried about socialization this year. Do you have tips in how to interact? I mean, like you said, you keep up a regular Thursday or a certain day in a week where you're connecting with your grandparents. Do you have like book clubs or do you do different things? I know you guys are in constant contact with people all throughout your days and therapy. So it's a bit different than maybe moms at home, but. Um, I would say like for, for myself, I need to get lots of questions like, oh my gosh, is my toddler going to be socially inept because we were like without contact for like three months? And it's like, well, no, kids are like way more resilient than adults are. Yeah. Um, and even for my own toddler, like we didn't go to daycare, what was it like three months? So it was just, yeah, we were home for three months, but also like we're doing activities, right? We were engaged. We were doing things that focus on like cooperation and collaboration we were, we were doing things from just like sitting there staring at each other so it's really important to acknowledge that like you're constantly engaging with your kids you're interacting with your kids your kids are also learning from you and kids are so resilient and yeah the first week back to daycare it was in rough right there was sadness there was tears yeah all of it but within a week, it was like, oh, okay, like, you stayed home for three months. It really doesn't seem like, like we did. So the biggest thing I always see to parents, like, kids are way more resilient than adults. And as long as, like, you guys are engaging at home, then your kids are going to be okay. Yeah, I don't even think it's the kids I'd be worried about. I think I'd be <laughs> I'm really more worried about mom. <laughs> No, I was just going to say, we always talk about quality over quantity. So, you know, if we get a lot of flack for this, but we're going to keep saying it anyways. If you can do 15 minutes of undivided attention a few times a day, that's way better than like kind of paying attention to them for three hours, right? They're going to get so much more of that quality connection for shorter periods of time. And that's what the research shows is beneficial. So if you can fit that in in your day, you're doing a good job. That is beautiful. I'm so glad you said that because I was actually listening to somebody else's podcast yesterday. Um, a homeschool mom that's been around for 30 years. She's got five kids, six kids. And she said the same thing. Okay, so the thing is, I don't. I know you're not homeschool parents, but we as homeschool parents think, well, but we're always with them. No, we're not always with them. First of all, we're not literally always with them, but we're definitely not always with them eye to eye. You know, we're doing stuff, we're keeping busy, but she said the same thing is it's not about listening to every Lego build story or every dream that they have when they wake up, but it's about making sure to spend time in the day. Just like you said, like concerted amount of time where you're really eyeball to eyeball, really listening heart to heart. And then they want to go play. Then they want to go do their own. Some, Some kids more than others. I had two kids that would talk and talk and talk and talk. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. They came after me. Yeah. 
my toddler he would like play with me all day he would right. like steal my attention and like direct me in terms of what to do like all day and it's okay to set boundaries with your kid so I set my timer I'm like okay we have like 10 minutes of playtime and then I have to go do work stuff and then it just being consistent with that he's he's used to it now I mean, he tries to push it every now and then and steal my phone but yeah like okay here's our 10 15 minutes and then I gotta I gotta go and he's just playing and you he can be mad right that I'm gone or whatever and that's okay but that, that's my boundary because I need that boundary to protect my sanity as well oh you're so wise you're so young and so wise I wish I knew that stuff at your age because I just thought well if you have a need I'm here to meet it and then gradually I realized I'm exhausted. <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. So how am I going to change this so that I actually still want to be here? So that is, that is really wise. You talk about how to engage toddlers with big emotions. I have yet to meet a toddler that does not have big emotions, sometimes teenagers. <laughs> what are your tips? Biggest thing with toddlers is that like all all emotions are valid, right? All emotions can be heard. And the biggest thing it's like okay, regulating myself because even this morning, I I went to my toddler's glass of water and then just burst into tears like I didn't want my glass of water filled up. It was like a meltdown about the glass of water. It's like oh, you really didn't want that it's okay to be sad and I see my husband my husband's a little more old school than me and he he wants to come in and be like don't cry over that glass of water and I'm like no hold it I got it okay it's okay to be sad you really didn't want that (laughs) and then as soon as that emotion's validated then it's like okay he is hurt right and then everything settles I give him a little hug it was like I don't know two minutes but if we would have been like stop crying like that's so ridiculous that's so silly then he would have internalized he would have probably cried harder it would have been a bigger meltdown and then at the end of the day everybody would have would be feeling crappy about it and that's really the same thing that I've learned about us as homeschool moms, that we also need to identify that, um, you know, there's some days where we're not feeling really good and we don't really feel like listening to the Lego story or, you know, or something does frustrate us. Like, you know, your husband's looking at your kid going, hello, it's just a glass of water. And, and it's okay for us to also acknowledge, you know, this is how we feel in that scenario. Or I don't want to always use the word triggered. But triggered is a good word. It it's, denotes to me more of a reaction that's angry, which is not necessarily all the case, always the case. But I think we have reactions to all sorts of things that our kids do that we can also accept our own emotions and say, this is how we feel. That which also helps us to decide how we're going to engage and to choose to be proactive. But we can't be proactive if we actually don't understand ourselves. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So a lot of it is just regulating yourself. Yeah. Like I practice it enough that I'm like, okay, it doesn't really phase me. When I first started doing it, I could feel it in my chest. It's like that like anger and that like frustration. It's just like, can't you just be quiet? And often like I would get myself more worked up with those thoughts. So we use like what we call mom mattress. So often one that I use is like he's having a hard time. He's not trying to give me a hard time. So it helps kind of reframe your your thoughts from kind of that like negative, like getting 
yourself even more worked up to like, okay, he's like a little person, his brain isn't like fully developed and he's just like, he's dysregulated and he's expressing it the only way that he knows how. So I've been using some of those mantras and we have more on our Instagram page can be helpful in regulating your own emotions. You know, for the record, I'm 20 years into this and I still have a hard time with certain things. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. Yeah, yeah. And we're not going to be perfect every time, right? We are going to yell, we are going to lose it, and, and that's okay. And we don't have to beat ourselves up about it. But we can just say, like, uh, mommy used a really big voice. Mommy shouldn't have done that. I'm, I'm sorry. Right? We can't apologize to our kids even if they're little. Not super healthy to do. Show them how to be human. And yeah, everybody screws up, right? Yeah, for sure. Lovely to hear that from two mom yeah. psychologists. <laughs> Screw up every day, so it's totally fine. <laughs> yeah, well practiced here too. <laughs> this year, though, of all the years, I mean, parental burnout. You were you're talking about addressing parental burnout and how, again, just like postpartum depression, it's not something that you always see happening at you know a certain point. You just it just generally declines, and you feel like okay, I'm done. But how, how do you address that? How do you address parental burnout this year? Yeah, I think part of it is keeping it simple and building it into your life. Like a lot of the times, like for people that I work with one to one, I'm like, do you shower? Like if you can jump in the shower and just take a couple deep breaths, like you don't, you're going to shower anyways. So can you just like do something a little bit more mindful while you're in there or, you know, just keeping it simple, keeping it easy and, and not putting so much pressure. I think there's a lot when people hear like coping, it's kind of a, hot word right and they think I need to carve out all this time or I need like an hour every day and that's sometimes just not realistic so be intentional with it and you know big one is like setting boundaries or asking for help if you are able to ask for help and whatever that looks like right if that's right now is like calling a girlfriend and just being like oh my gosh my kid is driving me crazy and I just need to like put it out there right now or you know little things like that and just like being honest with how you're feeling and saying you know what I am burnt out and that's okay you're it's totally valid to be burnt out it doesn't make you a bad mom or it doesn't mean you're not doing enough yeah this is the year of burnout for I think everybody like on so many different levels we're all just kind of like this this is a lot this year is a lot and I'm sure you hear this as well I'm not just hearing the obvious things that are a lot but people in their families maybe it's because it is so much to carry that people in their families are having some really, really difficult things happening. It's a really difficult year for everybody. You guys are learning to take care of yourselves while you're taking care of your kids. You are working full time or you're working apart. You're working in an entirely different role than the mom role. That's a lot to carry, what are you learning about your own self or how you're taking care of yourself in your actual um, home? Um, hmm. <laughs> like it could, could be better, but like, like we're all kind of surviving. I wouldn't say I'm thriving, um, just because we have we have lots of irons in the fire right now, <laughs> um, but it's all really exciting. So we are like really excited for like kind of what the future has to hold. And we have, yeah, kind of lots of exciting things coming up. Um, one thing that like really is important for me is organization and kind of 
prioritizing like what I need to do and also like getting that stuff stuff done and feeling accomplished at the end of the day and then also taking that specific time at the end of the day that is just for me right I watch the true detective with my husband we sit back and we just kind of like relax for that last hour so that's really important for me that I just don't like work 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 and then boom sleep and then get up and do the same thing so that that is what I find is really important that I carve out just that time every day would you have something to add Chelsea as well yeah, I think organization is a big one for me too, but I also like kind of set limits. So I'm like, okay, I know I have like 20 emails in my inbox, but I don't think I'm going to get to them tonight. So I'm going to get to as many as I can in this like 30 minutes and then I'm done for the day or like just kind of setting my own boundaries, especially because we take our work home with us a lot and, and we're at home working a lot. So it's really easy to like kind of run away with the time, especially like if my husband's home or my son's in bed, like I don't have don't have anything to be like, okay, you need to stop. So I really need to like set those boundaries myself. Yeah, that is the one way I learned how to create boundaries with myself, I would say, because obviously I work at home because I'm homeschooling and I have kids and I'm at home working, but I learned time blocking because I had wild expectations of what I could do in a day. In fact, I hear a lot of people often say, how are you doing it all? And I'm like, I don't know. I just am because I'm an ENFJ, Myers-Briggs, Enneagram type two. I don't know. I, I enjoy it. But time blocking helps me because then I realize, yeah, so it's not possible to do those 12 things in 15 minutes. It's my default approach. But I find if I time block, then I say, okay, I know I have a certain amount of time to do this or to do that. And I simply can't do the rest. And also even time blocking, just like you said, um, 15 minutes to actually spend with your child, doing that intentionally, you get more done by engaging that child by intentionally putting that into your schedule than if you were to just kind of free flow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's going to feel better at the end of the day. And everybody's going to definitely benefit from that engaged from that mindful it's going to naturally feel like you're balanced a bit more but the truth is I think that notion of balance is not real anyway it's like balance what I don't know it's life it's it comes at you surprisingly at times and then little kids come at you with dirty diapers that are smeared all over their cribs and you know at inopportune times naturally it goes up and down and it's really hard to create like a perfect balance and everybody does not a thing yeah the best they can do with what they think balance is. Just in case anybody in my sphere um, didn't really believe I was a mom, I routinely get a message from my almost 16-year-old during my lives that says, hey, mom, are you going to pick me up at four? And I'm like, okay, you know where I am. She actually has her own YouTube channel that's doing really well. And I'm like, you know what I'm doing. She's like, yeah, but I just want to (laughs) know. Yeah, so that never changes. You always get those no matter how old they are. Oh, I still do that to my mom, I think. I'm like, mom, what's up? I'm bothering her all the time. (laughs) Yeah, it's lovely to be able to have that connection for sure. When I, I'm curious, when I first say the word homeschool mama self-care, because that's the name of my podcast and that certainly is the experience of my um, listeners' life experience, what would you suggest to them as, listen, you need to take into account 
this self-care thing, or this is the way you need to consider parenting. What's your first thought when I mentioned those words, homeschool, mama, self-care? I would say for myself, um, like the importance of boundaries, right? Because that's definitely, I think, the first thing that flashes up when you say those words. And then also self-care doesn't necessarily mean like just going like for a walk or like taking a bath, right? Self-care can be so many different things and so many different things for so many different people. And sometimes it might be trial and error in terms of like, okay, like I tried the gym, I really actually don't like it. That's not my self-care. And maybe uh, whatever, going for a walk is something like that. So self-care isn't always like, oh, I'm going to have a piece of cake or I'm going to have a bubble bath or glass of wine. That's not self-care for for everybody maybe it's going to therapy maybe it's like listening to music and like cleaning maybe that's self-care I love vacuuming like (laughs) but that's okay and I feel like really good when I do it and I'm like that's one form of self-care I was even thinking of that this morning I'm like I really enjoy this it's calming and it looks so different for so many different people but I think the biggest takeaway is find something that works for you and it may not be traditional, but just find that. Yeah, it's funny you say vacuuming because someone had said, when you get your time alone, make sure you're not cleaning. But I'm like, actually, I need at least 15 minutes of cleaning because I can't settle down unless the house is kind of sort of tidy, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> would you have any thoughts, Chelsea? Um, I think I would just like I add just to validate your experience, right? Like I think sometimes there's like a misconception about homeschooling or being at home that it's not the same strenuous strenuous job as going out of the home but it still is and it's still hard and to honor that and know like it's okay to feel burnout if you are and and being tired is a totally normal experience yep mom and tired (laughs) (laughs) and of course my goal is um to create frameworks of mostly of thinking, but also those actual like self-care strategies so that we can actually help moms do things for themselves so that they aren't tired. And this, of course, all is borne out because I was there. I've been in that place as well, where I realized I wasn't actually looking at my needs at all. I was very much just doing what everybody else needed and then discovering that I needed to shift gears and take into account myself. And funny, you said Caitlin boundaries, and that was the thing that started it for me. It was actually listening to a Brené Brown TEDx talk. I don't remember exactly what she was talking about that flipped that, um, you know, that switch for me. But I realized I don't even know that I'm in the room. And she reminded me to pay attention to me. Great. Yeah, we love her. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, she's a fave, definitely. Love her. I totally agree. I have asked her many times if she wanted to join me on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Also, Ryan Reynolds, Daniel Amen. We can keep working on that, right? (laughs) (laughs) don't know right exactly and dr daniel amen actually his he was in no he was in british columbia in a a town setting up one of his brain scan clinics and he was presenting uh, I, i can't remember where i met him at first but he had asked the three questions that i know aren't his but he asked is what you're feeling true are you certain 100% certain that what you're feeling is true? 
if it isn't fully true, then what would be an alternative perspective in how you want to frame your feelings? And those three questions had such a big impact. Um, it literally challenged everything that I was feeling uncomfortable about in my homeschool realm or as a parent. And frankly, now it's just like my constant go-to, no matter what, like you had said about framing, framing your world or framing your feelings, emotional regulation maybe is what it helps you do. And it's a lifelong practice, but it's to me, the biggest self-care practice there is out there. It's been a real pleasure chatting with both of you today. And I encourage everybody go check out Caitlin and Chelsea on the Mama Psychologist on Instagram and Facebook. Are you under the same name on Facebook? Yes, we are. Yes. And we have um, three ebooks that are available for purchase. They're $12 Canadian each. One is a guide to positive uh, attachment based parenting, another one is Retired Parents Guide to bedtime, tantrum, screen time, and mealtime. And then we also have a postpartum coping plan available as well. I want to ask before we close the interview, would you tell me what do you normally do on a Friday night? What do I normally do on a Friday night? <laughs> Lately, I'm working. I have like a, a Zoom client usually every Friday. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's that COVID lifestyle. <laughs> Everything's on Zoom. Yeah. Yeah. I'm probably texting Caitlin. what's on your bookshelf right now this is uh, theraplay so it's a modality that i'm trained in theraplay by um it is by phil's booth so yeah it's a clinician's guide for helping parents and children build better relations relationships through attachment-based play oh interesting so kind of like something um I want to say post Gordon Newfeld, not that he came up with attachment based parenting, but I had, I definitely associate him with attachment based therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Sounds like a homeschool topic, actually, that we would discuss all the time. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Chelsea? Um, I'm reading about high risk pregnancies and birth trauma. So <laughs> lots of exciting stuff. I just finished training in birth trauma. So it's one of the topics that have been on my mind definitely something in the last 20 years since I was in that realm that has just got huge a huge Mm -hmm. impact yeah very interesting thank you for joining me today I hope that we can connect soon yeah Yeah. thank you so much and thank you for joining me today I'd like to hear more about who you are so come on over to my Facebook or Instagram page homeschool mama self-care I've recently opened a Homeschool Mama support group with the intention of supporting and encouraging you along your homeschool journey in hopes that you'd also want to support and encourage other homeschool mamas too. And while you're there, you can check out the preview of my new book, Homeschool Mama Self-Care, Nurturing the Nurturer. I've been talking about this book for more than a year, but it is about to be released mid-February. I am so excited to share it with you. I am hoping that it will bring encouragement and support to you on your homeschool journey. And in honor of that launch, I will be having a series of live interviews with other homeschool mamas who have been there, done that, and are helping other homeschool mamas on their journeys today. And I've got a self-care package 
as a giveaway in honor of this book launch that you will appreciate. It's not just swag that is put into a self-care package that nobody really cares about. This is some pretty cool stuff that I myself love. So you can find all the show notes and the links of this episode found at www.capturingthecharmedlife. Until next time, I wish you and your kids a charmed week. Unless you're having one of those days, then I hope you can turn all your challenges into your charms.